I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Welcome back to Practical Stoicism. I'm your host, as always, Tanner Campbell. And before we start, I know I promised I'd never talk about ads again, but I need about 30 seconds of your time to talk about them. I'm aware that for the last week and for this week that the ratio of ads to content will be a little too low, a little too equal. The reason for this is simply that I am adjusting to creating content every day instead of twice a week. I have to write about 14,000 words a week in order for each one of these episodes to be, you know, 10 or 15 minutes of pure content, excluding the ads. And I'm still kind of ramping up to that. I think I bit off a little bit more than I could chew, but, you know, sometimes you just got to go for it and work through the struggle of starting and then you get there. So it's been a little bit of a challenge this week and last. Thank you for dealing with it last week. Thank you for continuing to deal with it this week. Next week will be different. The episodes will be longer. Thank you for bearing with me, and to those of you who have brought this to my attention, I did already know, and I appreciate that the way that you brought it to me was respectful and understanding and patient. With that, let's jump into today's meditation, which is the ninth from Book 4, and it reads as follows. That which does not make a man worse than he was also does not make his life worse, nor does it harm him, either from without or from within. This one is short, but I think deep. If a thing doesn't make you worse than you were, then it doesn't make your life worse, and it also cannot harm you. This upcoming week, I'm going to be sitting down for a discussion with Kai Whiting, who is an interesting mashup of a traditionalist and a modernist. You'll need to listen to the episode to understand what I mean by that, but we talk a lot about the concept of God in Stoic physics and cosmology. It was a somewhat difficult discussion for me to have because I'm an atheist, as I've told you before, but the purpose of this podcast isn't for me to espouse my atheist vantage points, and I wanted Kai to come on the podcast specifically because he wasn't, or rather isn't, an atheist. In fact, he's a professor at a Catholic university, probably couldn't get further from an atheist than that. Kai said something during our discussion that would seem unbelievably insane without context. He said that slavery is not objectively an evil. Now, stick with me because Kai's point was actually fairly well made, and it relates to this meditation, I think. So let's explore it a little bit. Imagine you create a nonprofit organization that buys enslaved people in the modern world 
from their existing owners for the specific purpose of setting them free. Not just setting them free, but educating them, placing them in new communities, providing them with support. However, and this is Kai's argument, since this nonprofit organization cannot purchase slaves and set them free immediately, for they would just be recaptured and re-enslaved, they keep them as technically as slaves, as property, for the purposes of educating them and setting them up for success. Kai's point here is that the nonprofit organization's intentions are noble, but for a time, they do own the slaves they buy and have to participate in the purchasing of slaves, which most everybody, myself included, and all of you listening, would think was pretty immoral. And this isn't fiction, by the way. This nonprofit actually exists. Kai argued that if slavery was objectively bad, that this nonprofit would be immoral, but that any reasonable person would see what this NPO does consequentially speaking. That is to say, that it is the intention and the outcome of an action that really matters. So he then asked, is slavery, the purchasing of people, objectively evil? The answer, because of this very rare, very uncommon exception, has to be no. Now, that is an incredibly difficult and uncomfortable thing to say out loud or to even think about, that there exist scenarios wherein buying human beings, as is the case with this NPO, in order to educate them, set them up for success, and free them again, again, as is the case with this NPO, is actually a moral action. From here, we talked about Epictetus, who was a slave, a slave who was rather poorly treated by his owner, who was not a Stoic, who beat him on frequent occasion and shattered one of his legs, crippling him for life. And this man, Epictetus, this slave, wrote what is perhaps the most well-known argument or position of Stoicism, which is, it is not things themselves that trouble us, but our opinions of things. There's a chance I'm going to struggle to make this connection, but try to stick with me. This is obnoxiously nuanced, and I know that many people listening will right now be feeling pretty anxious about where I'm going or not going with this. So first, rest assured, I am not a slavery apologist and neither is Kai. The point being made here is a philosophical one, and these sorts of points can, again, be pretty obnoxious to navigate, but try to stick with me. Epictetus, a Roman philosopher whose writings are referenced by Marcus Aurelius multiple times and who is considered one of the ancient fathers of Stoicism, was factually a slave. And he believed, as a slave, that no man could be a slave without allowing themselves to become one. He said that not because he didn't think a man could be forced to do things he didn't want to do, but because he believed the highest good was a virtuous mind. And the only way to be a slave is to have your ability to attain virtue shackled by someone else. And since this isn't possible, according to the Stoics, it's not possible for any man to be truly enslaved. Now, that's a very nuanced position. Again, stick with me. This meditation is asking us to do something incredibly hard. And the reason that I'm referencing my conversation, my very uncomfortable conversation with Kai, ahead of you actually being able to hear it, is because it is the extreme of what this meditation is asking us to do. And that is to separate the emotional and physical impact of external events from any impact on our moral character, on our virtue. This is hard to conceptualize for everyone. It's hard for me, let alone someone who hears this who is not steeped in the Stoic philosophy, or who is not philosophically minded. 
And Stoicism is, to a large degree, a difficult philosophy to adhere to, probably most of all for this reason. The mere suggestion that an enslaved man or woman has the ability to be free from quote-unquote true slavery, if only they could develop a disciplined mind, seems so wildly out of sync with how we think about victimization in the modern world that anyone who would say something like this out loud would be metaphorically put to the torch atop a mound of kindling in the center of town because what it sounds like to anyone not willing to think a bit further is some sort of victim blaming. But that is not what's being done. Remember, the meditations are prescriptive, and they are meant to create a resilient human out of you. They're not intended to judge you or tell you what you are or aren't wrong about. They're meant to inspire you. And the inspiration of this meditation, and ultimately of Kai's point, I think, is simple. Your virtue, your moral character, cannot be sullied by anyone but yourself. You are untouchable in this sense. You're a slave? So what? Epictetus might ask. Does that mean you cannot have a pristine moral character? Does that mean you cannot keep in perfect working order that which the Stoics held in the highest regard? A villain can beat you, own you as property, and treat you terribly, but they cannot get into your soul. They cannot soil your virtue. You have to allow them to do that. This meditation is essentially saying, if it cannot tarnish your moral character, then it is neither good nor bad, as it relates to your virtue specifically. That doesn't mean it's not something that should be stood up to or fought against. It only means that while the fight is going on, you are invulnerable ultimately to whatever it might try to do to you because the most important thing in your moral life is a virtuous and moral character. Again, according to the Stoics, if you can develop and protect that, everything as far as its effect on you can be viewed as an indifferent. Now, indifferent is a loaded word because today we think it means apathetic, but that's not what the Stoics meant. Indifferent, or the word they would use would be apatheia, and apatheia is not apathy. You've got to keep your direction of thinking in mind here, which is hard because all of this has probably been hard to listen to. Some of you have probably just shut it off and you're not going to listen to the rest of the episode. I want you to take a minute to imagine me writing this and worrying for days that I was going to have to say it out loud. Okay, this isn't easy for me either. This is hard to read. It was hard to write. The idea of preferred and dispreferred indifference was only in relationship to the virtue of a Stoic. If something was preferred indifference, it meant ultimately it had no impact on your ability to have a virtuous soul, but that it was a nice thing to have. An example would be a safe home, access to healthy food, and clean drinking water. A dispreferred indifference was something like illness or disease or, yes, being enslaved. Ultimately, being enslaved or being ill, having the flu or having something more severe than the flu, cannot prevent you from developing a virtuous soul, but you'd rather not have it or you'd rather not be it if you could avoid it. Slavery, to the Stoics, would have been a dispreferred indifference. It was better not to be a slave, but if you were one, you could still develop and maintain a virtuous soul. Now, ancient Stoics may have never treated their slaves poorly, there's plenty of evidence to suggest if you were a slave in those times, there was no better owner to have than a Stoic. But they never spoke out against the owning of slaves in the first place, and the reason for that is that the ancient Stoics were solely concerned with what they viewed as the highest moral good. 
which was to develop virtue. This didn't mean they thought slavery was good, it just meant they didn't advocate for its abolition because the external events of a man or woman's life isn't a hindrance to achieving what really mattered to the Stoics. And this can be incredibly problematic, as you no doubt are realizing the longer I go on, right? If they didn't advocate for the abolition of slavery, then weren't they kind of apathetic in the modern sense of the word apathetic to slavery? Kai would argue, I think, not to put words in his mouth, that they were not apathetic in the modern sense. But I would argue that their philosophy made them functionally apathetic. They likely preferred that no man be enslaved, but since externals don't bother Stoics, they don't spend as much time fighting preferred indifferences as they do preparing to endure them. And that is a notable feature of Stoics. An ancient Stoic would have almost certainly said that it is better to prepare a man or woman to endure a terrible thing than it is to spend an entire life trying to combat all the terrible things. And that's a position that many people probably will not like. I don't know that I like it too much. It's one of the reasons that this is not an ancient Stoicism podcast. It's a practical Stoicism podcast. Now, ultimately, I think that it's kind of hard to give the Stoics, the ancient Stoics, a fair shake on this, because if the Stoic ideal of slavery was humane treatment during temporary indentured servitude that eventually led to freedom and land, that might have been so incredibly progressive at that time period that to fault them for not going as far as abolition might be unfair. And when I say might be unfair, I mean in antiquity. But that's not very practical for our modern purposes, right? It doesn't matter how fairly the ancient Stoics may have treated their slaves in 300 BCE. We all accept that that wouldn't be fair by any stretch of the imagination today. And we have to say something about it, right? We can't just say something like, well, technically you're not really enslaved because they can't control your mind or prevent you from developing a virtuous character. I'm not exactly sure how to wrap this episode up except to say that one practicing Stoicism must be very careful not to forget about the justice pillar of their virtue pavilion. We need to prepare our minds for adversity. It is important. It can't be avoided. It's an absolute must. But if we are brave and just, we also need to act in the world as if we would very much prefer that adversity be minimized. And the watered-down sort of Stoicism we get today seems to always forget about the justice part of Stoicism and seems very reluctant to talk about it. A Stoic, for example, could very easily be painted as a person who would never be an advocate or an activist because what's the point? The universe is deterministic and externals don't affect our ultimate best value, which is a moral character, a virtuous character. So we'll be all right no matter what, right? And we are painted this way frequently, but we can't be that. Sometimes we do have to take action against dispreferred indifference because it isn't good enough to simply be prepared to endure oppressive externals. We must also work to minimize oppressive externals, if not for the sake of ourselves, then for the sake of others, those others with whom we are meant to serve and work together with, like the rows of teeth, upper and lower. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Practical Stoicism. If you'd like to get rid of ads, get straight to the content, and support this show, you can do so by going to stoicismpod.com and clicking the big orange button in the top right corner of the site. Another way to support the show is to review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or podchaser.com. Whether you choose to support financially or through a review, I appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in to today's episode, and until next time, take care. Thank you.